Before we start today's Beef Watch podcast, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for being a listener. During the month of November, the Nebraska Extension Beef Team is asking for your feedback on the podcast. What content has been most valuable to you? And what topics would you like to see discussed in the future? If you'd be willing to take a few minutes to fill out a brief survey, we'd really appreciate it. The survey can be found at beef.unl.edu, and it's located there at the top of the homepage. Thanks again for being willing to do that for us. We really appreciate your feedback, and we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the November issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Soybean Residue Value. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by the co-authors, Aaron Labry, as well as Todd Whitney, who are both Nebraska Extension educators. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having us, Aaron. Well, as we look at Nebraska and some surrounding states, we're in a situation right now where forage is at a premium. That's causing people to look at all kinds of alternatives in terms of thinking about how they might find feed for this fall and winter. One of the alternatives that people are considering is the baling of soybean residue. Obviously, that comes with some challenges in terms of going out and baling that crop off of the field. As we're thinking about doing that, Todd, give us some perspective on if we remove a ton of soybean residue from a field, what actually are we removing and what could be some of the value or challenges that go with doing that? Well, the first thing we think about is the nutrients, and there is some nutrient content in those soybean residues. Uh, there's about 17 pounds of nitrogen, uh, three pounds of uh, phosphorus, 13 pounds of potassium, and two pounds of sulfur per ton of residue. So if we're thinking about removing that residue, we also need to realize that from a nutrient standpoint, we're going to need to replace that from a fertilizer perspective. That's exactly right. Yeah, anytime that we are out there you don't get something for nothing. So if you're gonna take off residue, uh, you're taking off some valuable cover in a sense. Uh, we also think about when we have cover out on a field, whether it's a live plant or whether it's just residue, uh, it's out there to try to help keep the soil from blowing, uh, especially as we in the western part of the state where we have a lot of wind erosion potential. Uh, we value that residue. We also think about in terms of soil erosion and and you get into that more so as you go east, but anytime we don't have that protection on those fields, and that's why we have a term cover crops for covering the soil for live plants. And this residue is there many times to help keep it from, from having problems with losing not only the nutrients, but also we could lose some of that organic matter that's going to be helpful to help hold some of the moisture, help be able to help protect against evaporation that might be happening not only during the growing season, but on the off season as well. So Aaron, let's talk a little bit about the feed value of soybean stubble or soybean residue. What should we expect in terms of the nutrient value if we're thinking about using that as a cattle feed? Sure. So when it comes to soybean residue, I think sometimes we, it's easy to get caught up on the fact that soybeans themselves are very high in protein and fat because soybeans are about 40% crude protein and about 20% fat. Um, but the residue itself is not that high of quality. It's got a, a much different feed composition. The empty pods and the stems only contain about 4 to 6% crude protein. 
and TDNs around 35 to 45%. And so a lot of times too, we want to compare that to maybe the value of other crop residues such as corn or sorghum or even wheat, but that's definitely not the case. Now, I mean, it does have a place in terms of feeding it and maybe a mixed ration or just trying to help it extend those forage resources that you do have available, but it, it shouldn't be used alone as, as your forage resource. And when we think about that dry cow, we can turn her out on corn residue, you know, if we're using the recommended stocking rates without any supplementation, but that's not the case with soybean residue. So just to put some perspective on when you think about 4% crude protein, 36% TDN on an energy value, how would that compare to corn stock residue, wheat straw, things like that? Well, as far as the nutrient removal per ton, the nutrients are real similar. Uh, how many pounds of nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium you have per ton of product, the, the residue that's there. It's just that when we think about corn and other uh, grassy type crops, they have far much more residue to start with. Uh, so there's a lot more residue out there in a cornfield than what you're going to start with in a soybean field. That's why we usually are concerned about soybeans because uh, you usually have to have at least 60 bushel per acre soybeans to have that recommended minimum two tons of residue left in the field. Uh, and it's sometimes a challenge, especially when you don't have irrigated uh, fields where maybe you don't get some of those higher yields uh, that are going to help have that residue out there. So that's where you are actually removing more with corn because you have more tons that you're removing uh, compared to the soybeans. But if we compared ton to ton, then there's going to be some similarities between the two of them. Uh, example is both of them have 17 pounds of nitrogen. Uh, there's a little bit more phosphorus, four compared to three in the soybeans, uh, more potassium, 34 versus 13 and the sulfur three versus two, but they're going to be very comparable on what those nutrient values are. As we think about baling corn stalks versus baling soybean residue, a lot of times people are taking more of the leaf, the husk material off of crop field that's been in corn, where the soybean residue, uh, there may be speak pretty much the stems, a little bit of leaves and empty pods left. Aaron, anything else on this topic as you think about feeding soybean residue to cattle that people should think about if they're considering this as an option? I would just reiterate the importance of providing supplementation or, like I said, mixing it in in a mixed ration um, or just with another higher quality feed if, if you are going to utilize soybean residue. That's certainly not something we can feed alone and maintain a dry cow like we can with, with our corn stock residue. Todd, anything else from your perspective in terms of removing soybean residue that people should be aware of? Well, I think one thing is sometimes we have an idea that it has to be all or none. And, and when it comes to some of these things, if we think about just lightly raking or baling a portion of the residue, rather than that we're going to go out and we're going to take everything off of the field, there is some trade-offs that can help. So we do realize when people are tight, uh, the residue is there they maybe want to see well what can they do to help help uh, alleviate some of the cost on some of their rations and so so we we do get it that they are trying the best they can at keeping their costs down and that this residue could be one of those ways that they could use it as a filler or be able to stretch 
some of their good residue or some of their their higher value crops that they have. Uh, and so that may be a consideration where they say, well, uh, let's do some light raking. But again, we do want to leave at least two tons to the acre residue out there for protection uh, for both the wind and soil erosion when they get all said and done. Uh, also keep in mind, soybean residue doesn't hang around. Uh, there's, it, since it's a higher uh, crude protein type uh, crop uh, residue and it's an annual that we're dealing with when it, rather than a perennial like we have in alfalfa, uh, there just isn't as much out there to help build that soil. So we generally are concerned about that we want to build carbon in the soils and soybeans have trouble building carbon to begin with let alone if we take away whatever residues out there, now we're going to have a negative soil build on our carbon. And so it, it's just a hard decision to say what well, we're going to take all that residue away. Well, Todd, Aaron, thanks again for joining me today. Hey, thank you, Aaron. Thanks for having us. But for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, this article appears in the November issue of the Beef Watch newsletter and is titled Soybean Residue Value.